Another big trade is shaking up the MLB landscape, and we are here to talk about it today on Dinging Corners. Welcome, everyone, to Dinging Corners, a baseball podcast powered by Slab Stocks. I'm your host, Nate, and today we are going to be talking about the Francisco Lindor trade. Now, I know we are going to cover some other things, but the off MLB offseason keeps moving along. We keep getting big trades every single week, and so I keep talking about them. Uh, not too much free agency movement. Um, Liam Hendricks is the last big free agent to sign. I saw as of a couple days ago, 88% of free agents had not signed yet and so nothing on that front but big trades and francisco lindor is one of them before we get into that though i want to show you what we've got going on at slab stocks breaks uh if you go over to slabstocks.com slash shop you can see our newest baseball break for next thursday and it is going to be one tops chrome sapphire box one top series two uh 2019 box you know fernando tatis and then three 2020 top series one hobby boxes that'll be a team break it's 47 dollars 50 a spot there's 15 spots left you know some very good teams you can get in there you get the cardinals you get randy rosarina you get the padres obviously you get trent grisham uh, fernando tatis if you get you know the astros you get jordan alvarez blue jays you get vlad Guerrero jr so great stuff there if you want to join it's over on slabstocks.com slash shop and you can find it in there now on to the big trade, the big trade that happened, and that was the Francisco Lindor and the Carlos Carrasco deal to the Mets for Ahmed Rosario, Andres Gimenez, Josh Wolf, and Isaiah Green. Now, um, if that seems a little bit light, it is. It was light for just Francisco Lindor. It's most definitely light for Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco combined. Now, it's a weird offseason. You, the Cubs really didn't get much for you, Darvish. Uh, he obviously is 35 and owed a lot of money. Now, the Indians didn't get a ton for Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. Um, and that's unfortunate. Now, Lindor, one year left. Carrasco, pretty team-friendly deal. Uh, not too much money there. But um, so it's also one of those circumstances where you're only paying for one year. But two years ago, this would have been a much better deal for the Indians. Ahmed Rosario is a failed former top prospect. Andres Gimenez is a defensive first uh, prospect with really no power, um, but, you know, could be a decent second baseman type in the future. Uh, I don't know if he's going to play shortstop, but he probably will. I am. It depends on what they are going to do with Ahmed Rosario. And then Josh Wolf is a second rounder from this from two years ago, not this past draft, but the year before that, that has some nasty stuff, but was kind of a pop-up prospect. And then Isaiah Green is a third rounder from this year that a uh, good center fielder, uh, some pop, that type of stuff. Uh, nice players all in all, but not enough for Francisco Lindor. Uh, not anywhere close. Now, um, one other thing I was thinking of while making doing some notes for this podcast, and we'll get into the card portion very shortly, is that if this is what it costs to get Francisco Lindor, and if this is what it costs to get you Darvish, right? Uh, there's not huge value out there, and people aren't paying free agents. You know, if the Mets are off the books for a for a free agent pitcher with Carlos Grasco, you know, Trevor Bauer is not going to get signed. And uh, maybe one of the James Paxton's or uh, Corey Kluber's that was going to sign there isn't going to get signed, right? And so, um, 
And, you know, they're still looking at like George Springer, but that's a lot of money owed to him. That'd be $25 million a year. And you still have Robinson Cano's money coming back on the books. Um, and if they don't go George Springer, you know, maybe they go DJ LeMahieu. But there's so many guys that haven't signed, and there's so many teams that probably aren't going to sign. Cubs aren't signing people. Brewers aren't signing people. Cardinals aren't signing people. Reds, Pirates, it's a whole division. I know the best because I'm a Brewers fan, and they aren't signing anybody. So you're taking out five teams from all of these free agents. And so it's a pretty bleak outlook. But congratulations to Francisco Lindor. Goes to a Mets team that is suddenly becoming very, very good. Let's look. Now, I've got a few things here. Um, Francisco Lindor, for the starters, let's take a, just a closer look at him, see what he's all about. I'm sure you all know that he's very good. But in case you're like, well, what's the hype? You know, here we are. Obviously, 15% walk rate. Nine I mean, nine percent walk rate, fifteen percent K rate. That's extremely good. hundred WRC plus this year, pretty you know league average, not great, but every other year very decent. And then it's the defense. You add it all up, and you get a very good player. Four, five, five, seven, four wins above replacement until this year when he was one point seven. But that's in a third of a season. If you add two thirds more season on top of him, and he's another you know, five win player yet again, based on the strength of his defense. Now let's take a closer look at some other things. This is fan graphs. And I took the last five years, which was Francisco Lindor's rookie season and did all shortstops. And you can see here, if you look at just WRC plus Francisco Lindor is seventh in the league tied with Trey Turner. If you're talking like walk rate, right. And you just do that. And you go find Francisco Lindor, he is going to be 20th, which is really good. If you do K-rate, and we do click on that really quick. Shout out to the Doritos ad on the side of the page. If you do strikeout, nope, we don't want that kind of strikeout, right? We want the bottom of the list strikeout rate. And if you do strikeout rate, you look, and he's 12th. And then if you go over here and you click on wins above replacement, this is where he really shines. And Francisco Lindor, top of the list, 777 games played, 28.9 wins above replacement. Manny Machado, less wins above replacement, 80 more games played. Xander Bogarts, uh, 30 more games played, less wins above replacement. And you can keep going on down the list. Uh, the one thing is Corey Seager. You know, Corey Seager is 200-some less games played and only 8 0.8 wins above replacement back. Corey Seager himself is very good. Now, his offense is obviously, you know, one of the best shortstops in the league, but that's not the one we want. We want stat cast outs above average. You look at this defensive number, and you say, what does that really even mean? 87.3, that's really good, but what does it mean? Well, we'll go to stat cast outs above average, and that you can get the example right here if you want to pause and read that really quick and then keep going. And you get outs above average. Average and you've got Nick Ahmed with 53 in the last uh, since this became a thing two years ago, and then Andrelton Simmons 43, and then Francisco Lindor comes in third at 36. Andrelton Simmons, by the way, is a free agent, and so Francisco Lindor, pretty incredible. Uh, he's great to the right, he's great to the left, um, and it's just it's just 36 outs above average in the last two years for Francisco Lindor. That's third in all of baseball to go along with his very good bat. His bat is significantly better than Andrelton Simmons and significantly better than Nick Ahmed. Uh, it's maybe not a Manny Machado, but his defense is better than Manny Machado's, right? And so you have the top shortstop in all of baseball um, 
right here, and the Mets grabbed him, and that's why it is important. And so we, uh, that's a big thing. Let's look at his cards, and then let's look at a couple things that affect the Mets here, and we'll get rid of some of these tabs. And so we're looking at his cards, and I should refresh this page, and we will have, you know, you're looking at, and this this fine accepted price is broken, so forgive me. But we're looking at $315 for a PSA 9, $610 for a BGS 9. If we go to before the trade, um, and we go, let's go to the end of December. So December, BGS 9. $281. It was $600 for a refractor, right? $600 right here for a refractor BGS 95, December 4th. Now it went underneath that because that's crossed out, but I don't know the actual price, but safe to say it is less for a BGS 95 than it was for a BGS 9. So we are looking at his prices moving up in the right direction. $220 for a non graded auto, which is the same as a PSA 9 for the most part, and this PSA 9 is $315. So Francisco Lindor's market is moving, but that's not who I want to talk about today. Who I want to talk about is two players on the Mets who will see their value uh, increase or decrease the most, and that is Ronnie Mauricio, the Mets' top prospect, and Pete Alonso, obviously the Mets' first baseman. Now, Ronnie Mauricio, if you're looking, and I should refresh this page too, you're looking at $75 for a BGS 9. Uh, Bowman Chrome Auto, $80 for Bowman Chrome Auto, right? If you scroll back a ways, middle of December, $60, right? $115 is a bit high. That's absurd that somebody paid that. BGS 9530 So they haven't really been moving all that much. The problem with Ronnie Maruccio is that he is a shortstop by trade, 6'3", uh, like 170-pound shortstop that everyone is very excited about because of potential. Potential, potential, potential. He hasn't really shown too much as of lit, uh, recently, but he is like a 19-year-old, 6'3", shortstop, big frame, can grow into power, uh, the type of thing people uh, dream on, uh, Manny Machado-esque size at shortstop there. He's not going to be playing shortstop. Francisco Lindor is the shortstop of the future. As long as they sign him to an extension, I don't think they make this deal if they don't think they can sign him to an extension. So I imagine that's going to be coming down the line. The Mets have new owners with a ton of money, and so there is going to be money to give Francisco Lindor. That means Ronnie Maruccio, all that hype from him being a shortstop, potentially with big power, he's now going to have to shift to third base or probably a corner outfield spot. That's a big drag down on Ronnie Mauricio's value. So Ronnie Mauricio, though interesting, uh, an interesting prospect, there's going to be a drastic decrease in value because he will not be playing shortstop in the future for the New York Mets. So either he has to get traded somewhere else to play shortstop or you are looking at a position change um, in the near future. So that's one big thing that is going to happen. And so these $75, I don't know if they stay $75 if he suddenly becomes the third baseman. Next on the list is Pete Alonzo. Now, Pete Alonzo is an interesting case because Pete Alonzo is one of those guys that he was the face of the Mets. He's got a very good personality. People love him. He loves cards. And uh, he's kind of in like that dad bod. And he's like a 35-year-old dad that drinks beer. That's the type of body he has, right? He's not like the professional athlete that nobody can really aspire to. People can aspire to kind of be like Pete Alonzo. The problem with him is that while he was the face of the franchise, 
Francisco Lindor is going to be coming in and going to become the face of the franchise. He's got the smile. He's got the hair. He's got the flair for the dramatic. Francisco Lindor is everything you could want in the face of a franchise. And so Pete Alonso is going to have to be, take second seat. Now, the problem with taking second seat is because you look at teams that have a bunch of good players. Uh, think about the Braves. People like Ozzy Albies, but Ozzy Albies, but do we really talk about them that much? Dansby Swanson, you know, Christian Pache, Drew Waters. They're all going to be really good guys that are going to come up and take some of that shine away from like an Ozzy Albies because you're not going to supplant Ronald Lacuna at the top of the list. You're not going to supplant Freddie Freeman at the second second spot on the list. And so you have to fight for third, fourth, fifth fiddle there. And uh, that is going to be difficult for a guy like Albies or a guy like Swanson or a guy like Pache to really, you know, get into people's consciousness when you have teammates like that, at least in my mind. Now, Pete Alonso is currently second fiddle, so he's still in good shape. But the problem with the Mets is they're slowly becoming deeper and deeper. You've got Brandon Nimmo at the top of the order. You've got Jeff McNeil. You've got... Michael Conforto, who is extremely good in his own right. Um, you add Francisco Lindor on top of that, right? You you signed James McCann, and now you're probably also going to go for uh, George Springer on top of that. If you add George Springer to that, you know maybe George Springer becomes the second face of the franchise and Pete Alonso drops down a peg or Michael Conforto keeps going and Pete Alonso drops down a peg. And that isn't even talking about the Jacob deGroms and the Norris Syndergaards, the pitching uh, pitching side of the equation. And so Pete Alonso has some fighting to do to stay second fiddle in that rotation of, you know, hierarchy of names to know on the Mets. And if he falls down that list, his value falls down that list. He could still be good. And yet if he is not, you know, at least the second best player in the Mets, I don't think people are going to care that much about him, especially because he is a one dimensional player First base only, really probably going to be a DH, and uh, maybe not DH. That's a bit far, but you get my point. First base only, power hitter, right? And so when you have that, there's not that much surplus value from other positions. So then you're really relying on just his outlook on the Mets as the second star, as being relatable, that type of stuff. And once that goes away... If it does go away, if a Michael Conforto surpasses him, if they sign George Springer and he passes him, then you're losing tons of value. So we're looking at his Bowman Chrome autos right here, and that's $550 for a PSA 10. That is outrageous for a guy who's a bat first, first baseman. I would not pay that money. You guys all know that I've never really been a fan of Michael of Pete Alonzo uh, to begin with, but then you add Francisco Lindor on top, and you've got a lot of other guys competing for shine. And I'm a little worried that if he doesn't hit 50 home runs, that value is going to plummet. So that's just my thoughts on it. Two things I thought of Ronnie Marucci, Pete Alonso right off the bat with Francisco Lindor and their card values. Um, could I be wrong? Yeah, I could be wrong. But uh, just my thoughts. So please come share with me your ideas on where you're at with the Mets and Francisco Lindor. Obviously, Lindor is going to be the face of the Mets, but what is going to happen with their other guys? Let me know what you think. Uh, I would love to know. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed this Stinging Corners today, and I will talk to you again next time.